I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. Today I've got the California Guitar Trio, or at least two-thirds of the trio. We'll hear Paul Richards and Burt Lambs talk about CGT's August CD of the Month, Elegy, recorded in Airbnb living rooms across North America. I've also got a profile of Hiroki Okuno, the Japanese musician who just became the first artist who has had a single album-length piece played in full on Echoes. Finally, we remember Simeon Cox of the 1960s electronic pop band Silver Apples. He passed away on September 8th at the age of 82. Silver Apples were the first electronic pop band and their story is worth hearing. That's all ahead. Meanwhile, the Echoes podcast and Echoes could use your support. Looking back over the last few weeks, you've heard our epic documentary on Tangerine Dream and interviews with Moby, Kevin Brahaney Fortune, Nicola Godin, and Spongles Simon Posford. In future weeks, we'll hear from Amon Tobin, Andreas Vollenweider, and Eric Volo and Michael Stearns. Where else are you going to hear that? But on Echoes and in the Echoes podcast. So go to echoes.org and become a member of the Echoes Sound Circle, where we help creative music thrive. It's at echoes.org. And now the California Guitar Trio. Their album Elegy was the Echoes CD of the Month in August. The California Guitar Trio have been a staple on the show from the beginning. They have also played live on Echoes many times, but We haven't actually interviewed them since their first appearance here in 1997. It could be right. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. So it's about time. That's Paul Richards. He's a founding member along with Bert Lambs and Hideo Maria. Hideo couldn't be with us on this Zoom call because he was visiting family in Japan. The group got together in the 1980s at Robert Fripp's Guitar Craft Courses in Claymont Court in West Virginia. It was here they learned a technique called circulation. Circulation was introduced to us by Robert Fripp on the Guitar Craft Courses. For me, it was in a ballroom at Claymont Court, which is a historical building built in 19... 17 uh, used to be owned by Bushrod Washington and it had this beautiful wooden floor ballroom and we'd have 20 or 30 guitar players sitting in a circle playing acoustic guitars and Robert Fripp would give the instruction to play one note and pass your note to the person to your right so one by one each player would play a note and as the notes went around the circle As we began to learn to listen to each other, it sounded more and more like music. But in order to be able to do that, every person had to play just the right note at just the right time. And in order to do that, we had to listen to each other and be part of the group mind, the community of creating a melody all together instead of just one person playing a melody. So it's very powerful exercise. They weren't playing compositions then, but now CGT often apply it to songs, and it's all over their latest album, Elegy. Most obviously on the song, Droning Circulation.
Funny enough, I happened to be at Claymont Court in 1986 interviewing Robert Fripp, and I sat in the middle of that ballroom recording a circulation. Yes, yes, I remember that. <laughs> yep, I remember. Yeah. And, and I remember you did an interview with all the students present. Which I've never done before. Yeah. Or since, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> but it was great. You know, Robert's always entertaining with his witty answers. And, and yes, you, I know. You, you did a great job of, of <laughs> holding it together. CGT have come a long way since then, but their studies with Robert Fripp remain the bedrock of their sound. Circulation is a great learning tool, and it's certainly a showpiece in their live performances when they apply it to compositions like Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. But analogy, they use it in more subtle ways, but with extraordinary results. Bert Lambs. One thread that goes through the whole album is there's a lot of circulation going on on this album. I think over the years we've used it as a real tool and at least four or five pieces on this album have the circulation technique in it and that kind of determines a bit of the mood of the album too because it's like a thread through the whole album. It's used to great effect on the cover of Radiohead's Daydreaming. The Radiohead tune went through several different uh, incarnations. So it started with a friend of ours, Colin Landingwin, who wrote the title track on the piece. But he sent us his arrangement of the Radiohead piece, and it did not include any circulations in it. And Hideo started to take a closer look at it and discovered that there were some obvious moments that would sound way better and give it a much more spatial effect to it by incorporating the circulation technique. So that was really yeah, all Hideo's idea on that one. And once we started playing it live like that, it really came to life with those circulations and it's definitely a highlight on that piece. Yeah, it's strange. You can play those arpeggios as one guitar player pretty easily, but it just totally changes when we do it with three players and the notes are exactly the same. I don't know why that is, but when we play circulation as a trio, it's more than the sum of the elements. There's something happening that's it's very cool, and the audience catches on to that.
trilogy is also marked by its incredible sound with guitar strings ping-ponging and wafting through the stereo field. It's not an effect, it's just the result of how they arrange their melodies and deploy them with the three guitarists who all played live together. Surprisingly, they recorded it in an unusual fashion. Well, we did it while we were on tour, so it just was a matter of where we were at that time when we had recording time available. And we started the recording here in West Hollywood when Burton Hideo came in. We did a, an opening show for King Crimson at the Greek Theater, and we had a few days before that concert happened, and we set up in the living room of a Airbnb in West Hollywood and recorded the first tracks. They continued recording that way as they played concerts across North America in what would be their final tour before pandemic lockdown. And did I mention that they occasionally play their acoustic guitars like their electric, such as this Paul Richards Ebo solo. Most of Elegy's compositions are by friends or their covers of songs by people like the Beatles and Radiohead. But the band composed a suite of original pieces, the Godella Trilogy, each band member composing one movement. Godella is the name of the region, and each piece has a name of a river that runs through that region, and it's a beautiful area. And the promoter for the festival, I'm friends with him on Facebook, and he does a lot of hiking in the area, and he posts these photos of these beautiful rivers. So that was also one of the inspiration for the titles of the pieces. And we were scheduled to play there this past May, and of course everything got canceled. And they rescheduled it until next year, May, which hopefully we can travel by then. So. It will be at that time that we present those pieces to the festival and the city of Govea of this music that we compose for them. While their studies of guitar craft are the foundation of their sound, there are also some other influences like surf music. I think just mostly because we enjoy it so much, and it's Hideo's 
that's how he learned to play guitar by playing those pieces and so he's always got one that he's ready to teach us to learn to play and we we always enjoy playing them a lot of those surf guitar tunes have special ingredients that are necessary for surf guitar songs well one of them is that they just got to have that uh, it, a, a distinctive melody and the chord sequences are also very distinctive. Given the pandemic, the California Guitar Trio doesn't know how they'll record their next album, given that they are scattered across the country and Japan, and it doesn't look as if they will even tour anytime soon. Yeah, so it's been really tough. I mean, cause this is the longest we have ever gone without doing live shows. We've never had a break this long. In our whole history of CGT, we've never gone for five months without playing shows. Seems hard to believe that CGT were just in our studios in February, right before the shutdown. The latest album by the California Guitar Trio is Elegy, Echo's August 2020 CD of the Month. You can read my review of the California Guitar Trio's Elegy at echoes.org. And while you're there, you can check out the Echoes CD of the Month Club and get great albums like this every month. Our pick for September is Convergence by Eric Volo and Michael Cerns. And in October, it will be the first new album by Andreas Fullenweider in over a decade, Quiet Places. Go to echoes.org and find out more about the Echoes CD of the Month Club. And speaking of CD of the Month picks, back in 2017, we picked Hiroki Okuno's album, Return to the Soul. At the time, I produced a podcast review of the album, and this week, we played all 51 minutes of Hiroki Okuno's new album, Quantum Leap Breeze, on the show. It was the first time we'd ever done something like that. Listening back to that podcast, I realized it was more of a profile of Hiroki Okuno than an album review, so I thought I'd give it another spin for you today because we've been playing this authentic and inventive musician since 1991. Back in the 1990s, there was a wealth of innovative and meticulously etched music coming out of Japan. Besides Kitaro, there was Yaskaz, Azuma, Ryuichi Sakamoto, and Jalan Jalan. Among them was Hiroki Okuno, a multi-instrumentalist whose music was linked to the spirit. He was trained to be a Buddhist monk before he decided to do music full-time. The Shinto religion's reverence for nature is also deep in his soul. In the early 90s, he had an installation with 1,500 wind chimes strung up an entire mountainside in Japan. 
When he's not in the mountains, his music mixes electronic ambiences and grooves, flutes, koto, bazooki, and, only occasionally, environmental sounds. If you haven't heard his solo albums, you may have heard him on his collaborations with Mexican flutist Guillermo Martinez and English New Age artist Nigel Shaw. He also had an acoustic world fusion group, the Wind Traveling Band, and they recorded with native flute player R. Carlos Nakai. In recent years, Hiroki Okano has been working a more rhythmically charged sound with electronic loops and grooves, but still with the world fusion elements in effect. In 2016, Okino released two albums in Japan, Water Goddess and Return to the Soul. They are an evolution of his earlier music. Domo Records issued them in America this past month. I picked Return to the Soul as the December CD of the month. Going back to his first album, titled 1987-1990, released back in 1991, Okino's music has always been marked by melodies etched with breeze-like refinement, sometimes with actual breezes, but I'm really speaking metaphorically here to the finely honed artistry of his sound. Though he first came to us as an electronic musician, flutes have become a dominant voice for him. Okino is one of those musicians who can create an epic in five minutes. Rimpa Springstorm is part of a three-movement Rimpa suite which takes its name from an ancient Japanese style of art. It's a multifaceted work that reminds me of the Beach Boys' good vibrations. Not in the sound, of course. Okino isn't playing rock and roll, but in the way it packs so many changes and moods into such a short span of time. It feels like a world fusion symphony in miniature.
Return to the Soul crosses a range of New Age moods. Rimpa Cosmos is based around the tuned metal percussion cycle of the gonk drum, that's a variation on the hung drum. Plucked koto accents and echoing flutes blow perfumed air across his serene landscape. On the other hand, Dot JP, one of the tracks from a previous album, sends out space signal synths before establishing its slowly accelerating groove. A stringed instrument, possibly the Chinese bow de lute called the Arhu, drips with mournful sweetness, recalling the Armenian duduk. It's a sound that Kitaro has also employed quite a bit. Dot JP is a surprisingly idyllic take for a song that takes its name from Japan's internet country code top-level domain. A couple of songs, Moon Mountain and Mantra of Light, have chanting which will sound like Native American chants, but I suspect they're actually the chants of the Ainu, Japan's native people. Turn to the Soul is an album that can be used as soothing background music, but deeper listening will take you on a global fantasy of entwined Native American and Asian bamboo flutes, gonk drum, kodo, ethereal synthesizers, and more in a soulful and delicately drawn world fusion. Hiroki Okino is a zen gardener of sound where everything is balanced and in its proper place. Return to the Soul will put you in that place as well.
If you want to get a hold of Hiroki Okuno's latest albums, Quantum Leap Breeze or Peace on Earth, or his return to the Soul album, I'll have links for you in the posting for this podcast. Just go to echoes.org. And finally, we remember Simeon Cox of the 1960s electropop group Silver Apples. Using homemade electronics and a very active drummer, Silver Apples became the first electronic pop group when they released their self-titled debut in 1968. Now Simeon Cox has taken the final oscillation at the age of 82. Here is our feature on Silver Apples when I interviewed Simeon in 2013 at the Mountain Oasis Music Festival. The Mountain Oasis Electronic Music Summit is a festival celebrating state-of-the-art synthesized sounds. But in 2013, tucked at the bottom of the roster after acts like Nine Inch Nails, Bass Nectar, and Pretty Lights, with Silver Apples. That band was founded in 1967 by Simeon Cox and drummer Danny Taylor. Taylor passed away in 2005, but Simeon, as he is known, is still playing at age 74. He felt right at home with the ravers of the Mountain Oasis Summit. Absolutely. It feels like home. To take it even further, these seem like my children. Electronic music is all around us now, from pop and dance music to rock and the avant-garde. But back in 1968, that sound was still a rarity, and electronics and rock were virtually unheard except as special effects. But out of the psychedelic haze of 1967 emerged a group with no guitars or keyboards, just drums and a melange of electronic test devices. I would maintain that Silver Apples were the first electronic music group. I think they started in 68. That's Moby, and he's a devotee of Silver Apples. And it's some of the still, it's some of the most remarkable electronic music I've ever heard. And the fact that he made all his, a lot of his own equipment. Um, and it was so futuristic for the time. You know, like you go back and listen to a song like Oscillations, and it, it sounds more modern than almost anything that's been made in the ensuing 40 years. In a hotel room outside of Asheville, North Carolina, Simeon Cox looks a bit frail and slender with longish, thinning white hair and wearing pink-tinted, wire-rimmed glasses and a scarf. He looks a bit like a debonair mad professor. He says he was ignorant of avant-garde electronic music, including Morton Sobotnik's Silver Apples of the Moon, which came out in 1967 and used a line from the same William Butler Yeats poem as a title, Song of the Wandering Angus. I never heard their stuff. I don't listen to other older electronic music. Simeon's roots were more in R&B and bluegrass. My only musical background, if you could call it even that, was uh, I was born in the mountains of Tennessee. Uh, so it started off in, in the early, early days of my life 
having bluegrass music on the radio all the time. My grandparents were huge fans of Nashville. Then when I got to New Orleans, that was coupled with, uh, I used to go in and listen to Fats Domino in a bar. He even pulled out a banjo and some Silver Apple songs like Ruby. But in 1967, his life changed. He and Taylor had been playing in the Overland Stage Electric Band in New York City when Simeon discovered the audio oscillator. It actually happened in a friend of mine's apartment who was a very serious Juilliard-type musician who conducted an orchestra on the Lower East Side in New York. He used to drink vodka and play an oscillator along with Beethoven and Mozart. One day, he got so much vodka in him that he just sort of passed out on the couch. <laughs> and I put... The, uh, a rock and roll record, I forget what it was. It might have been the Beatles or the Stones or whatever was available at the time. And played the oscillator along with that, and I was hooked. I thought, I, at the time, I was a singer in a regular house rock and roll band. And I thought, wouldn't this be a gas? And I brought the oscillator, borrowed it from him, brought it to the club that night. And when the band was in one of its interminable guitar solo breaks, I plugged in the oscillator into my PA amp and started swooping the room with all these sounds. They hated it. The guitar players just absolutely were outraged. And they said, if you ever do that again, you're out of here. Well, I did it again. And they ended up quitting because the manager of the club said, hey, I like that stuff. Do more of that. Less goes less guitars. Drummer Danny Taylor was the only one left, so they formed Silver Apples and from one oscillator grew a new instrument. We were interested in doing something with the electronics, but we couldn't afford it. So we went down to the electronic surplus shops, the old World War II surplus shops and and bought whatever we could and uh, out of cardboard boxes sitting on the sidewalk. Simeon hooked it all up to telegraph switches and knobs and created the instrument dubbed the Simeon. There were no keyboards or computers. Instead, when they recorded their debut, he had 16 oscillators. I had enough oscillators that I could play bass tones with my feet wired up from push buttons, little click, click on, click off push buttons at my feet run up to different oscillators that were tuned at different frequencies so I could go boop beep boop beep boop beep boop beep boop beep boop. To me it's not anything endearing. To me it's this monster that I have to tame every night uh, to get out there and make it do something that's understandable and, and uh, musical. Danny Taylor became something of a drum machine, creating tribal percussion loops in real time for Simeon. Danny at that point realized that there was no point in trying to put standard rock and roll drumming against that. That it would, there was no way I was ever going to do anything that he could like roll me into a chord change or anything like that. It was going to be this continuous, looped sounding, over and over again thing because that's all the oscillators I had. And that's all the feed I had. So he began doing something that was repetitive as well.
Silver apples were a product of their times, although Simeon is cagey about his use of hallucinogens. I can't really say that we, our music, was a product of those psychedelic times, because to us it wasn't. But maybe it was, in spite of itself. Have you looked at your picture on, on contact? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that was just me. I didn't... I, I was dressed up in whatever they put me in. Oh, come on. <laughs> that was you. You had the most freaked out hair you could possibly have. And, yeah. And that shirt that you were wearing, and yeah. Well, that was something that we picked up in San Francisco, that blue leather jacket. And then there were lyrics written by Stanley Warren. Dust. The stay is hash. I think he probably was thinking along hash lines. Yeah, this day is hash, meaning it's fuzzy. Sea Green Serenades seems to have similar inspiration. It's a, a poem that Stanley Warren wrote about his first toke on a on a on a joint. Silver Apples broke up after their second album, Contact, with a story no less bizarre and circuitous than Simeon's electronic rig. But it's too long to go into here. They got back together in the 1990s and were performing when Danny Taylor died. Simeon has continued on recording avant-garde records and refurbishing some tracks from 1969 that never got released. He's still using audio oscillators, spinning the dials as if tuning in an alien world. I just twist dials, push faders, push buttons, and uh, sing. Silver Apples has always been trying to make order out of chaos. Still trying, still haven't quite got there. Simeon still performs solo as Silver Apples using recordings of Danny Taylor's drum tracks. He's been lauded by a new generation of musicians like Moby and plays festivals like All Tomorrow's Parties and the Austin Psychedelic Festival. He's recording a new Silver Apples album and also has a CD with Amphibian Lark, a duo with singer and bassist Lydia LeVert. For Echoes, I'm John DeLaBerta. Simeon Cox of Silver Apples has left the planet at the age of 82 on September 8th. Next week on the Echoes podcast, a legend of German progressive rock, Michael Roter. He was a co-founder of Neu and Harmonia and released a string of brilliant solo albums in the 70s and 80s. He has a new box set, Solo 2, and that has a new album, Dreaming. I talk to Michael Roter in the next Echoes podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. I'm John DiLibretto. This has been the Echoes Podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight on the radio somewhere in the country or at Echoes Online right now or whenever you want.